0: Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson bringing to you this week news from Israel-Palestine, Brazil, the United States, and a CEO in hell that's the celebration of a dead fascist from Fascist Germany. Starting out in Israel-Palestine, Catholic rights in Israel have been under fire under Netanyahu's new right-wing government. Specifically, this is dealing with the Israeli claim to control the entirety of Jerusalem and that the city essentially be mostly or, you know, like very, very increasingly used exclusively in the interests of Jewish religious rights and the privileges of the conservative branches of the Jewish religious community. Specifically, the Christian patriarch of Jerusalem, who is the head of the Christian churches in Jerusalem, has denounced a wave of graffiti attacks and other instances of harassment of Christian clergy in Jerusalem. This is also coming after weeks of attacks on mosques and other Muslim centers in Israel and in Palestine during the month of Ramadan. Moving on to Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, the former president of Brazil, has essentially reconciled himself to the fact that he is going to be made ineligible for election. It's looking very, very clearly like he is going to be incapable of running In the next presidential election in Brazil, due to all of the legal claims and legal problems that he's facing. However, he and his allies are also being very clear that they intend to appeal any and all of those decisions, and that even though they think that he's probably going to be rendered ineligible for running, that he's going to try to run anyway because he is going to appeal and reverse these decisions. This is especially the case because the judge who's been handling all of these investigations into Bolsonaro and his cronies, especially as they relate to the January 8th attempted coup in Brazil, a guy named Alexandre de Moraes, will be out of his position by that point, meaning that it's possible that the Brazilian courts will be, you know, singing a different tune by the time that they make these appeals. Also, incidentally, this week, Jair Bolsonaro's son, Eduardo Bolsonaro, who is a member of the Chamber of Deputies in Brazil, that's the lower... Branch of the Brazilian legislative branch. Got in a fistfight. He got in a fistfight in Congress. Um, he punched somebody who's a member of the Workers' Party. Yep. All right, moving on to the United States. Pentagon documents and top secret Pentagon documents, specifically, have been leaked by an Air National Guardsman who was stationed in Massachusetts. Specifically, he was working with a branch of the Air National Guard that dealt with insurance operations. The guy's name is Jack Teixeira, and he shared these pieces of classified information that had to deal with the Russia-Ukraine war on social media. Specifically, he shared them on a Discord server that he is a member of, and specifically it is a video gaming Discord server. He was trying to, you know, flex on his friends, um, as the kids said, I guess, like a year or two ago, I'd assume at this point. He has been arrested and charged with two counts related to the sharing of this classified information. The hearing against him will be being held soon. Now, this guy is a kid; he's only 21 years old. So, the people who know him best are his high school classmates and those that he attended, you know, military training with, and also the people on this Discord server where he shared these documents. A lot of these people, having been interviewed by the press, have said that this guy is like your standard military slash gun-obsessed guy. Also, apparently he is a traditionalist Catholic conservative and a libertarian. So, you know, that's just sort of exactly what you would have expected of such a person sharing secret documents on a Discord server. Moving on to the United States Supreme Court, there has been more evidence of Clarence Thomas's corruption. Clarence Thomas, a member of the United States Supreme Court, has been embroiled in an investigation relating to his bribes, the bribes that he received from billionaire Harlan Crow. Another one of these bribes has come to light in the last week. Thomas, quote unquote, sold a home to this billionaire, Harlan Crow, who is a real estate mogul. However, this home is not like, you know, an expensive, big, fancy property. It's just like one of the homes that Clarence Thomas's family owns. It's just like a regular sort of like two-story suburban house. Now, Thomas did not disclose this sale, which is illegal in a law that was passed in the United States following the Watergate investigations. These kinds of things need to be brought up. They need to be disclosed by United States government officials, by federal officials, essentially. And the other wrinkle here is that while Crow technically owns the building, members of Thomas's family, specifically Thomas's mother, still live in it. So it's pretty clear that this is just like a way for Crow to give Thomas a bunch of money without changing anything about Thomas's life. Moving on to the NRA, the NRA, that's the National Rifle Association, an organization in the United States that supports people's rights to buy weapons in a completely unfettered and unregulated way. They held their big national convention, their big annual convention in Indianapolis this year. Trump and a bunch of other GOP candidates for the presidency tried to court this gun lobby. Donald Trump, in his speech specifically, said that Second Amendment rights should be like any other rights, like marriage rights or like a driver's license, that they should carry over across state lines and essentially not change at all. This is Trump pushing one of the things that the NRA is trying to do, which is to say that like, hey, if one state says that you can concealed carry a weapon or that you can just like openly carry a weapon why is that up to the state? They think that that should be federally true and that the other states need to recognize these state rights. You know, this is all the way back to that kind of language that the United States right wing uses. In the United States, additionally, a new Spanish language conservative media outlet is being opened. This organization is called Americano Media. It was funded by Ivan Garcia Hidalgo, uh, who is a Trump supporter and campaigner in Trump's campaign in 2020. Specifically, he operates primarily in southern Florida, in Miami. His claim, his intention, is that the Media is going to be, quote, Fox News in Spanish. It already exists on some platforms, like streaming platforms and the radio, and it also has some television broadcasts in southern Florida, but its intention is to move into TV broadcasts throughout the United States. This is particularly worrisome if you are worried about the power of the right wing in the United States because it is an attempt to drive a wedge into the Latino community in the United States and to get these more conservative Latino voters, of which there are many, to vote for the Republicans eventually in state and presidential elections. Finally, in the United States, we're going to close the show talking about the state of Oklahoma. This week, there was a leak of audio that was produced by the sheriff and also some county commissioners in a small county in Oklahoma called McCurtain County. Now these officials, these county officials, were being secretly taped by a local journalist. This local journalist had planted audio equipment in a public hearing room where the sheriff and the other people involved in this investigation were holding public hearings about county business the person involved in this investigation, so the reporter, was concerned that they were holding secret meetings in this room and that, you know, that's essentially illegal, that they were talking about county business without the public being present. And so he decided to tape them, to investigate them, which is something that he claims he is allowed to do based on county and Oklahoma law. Essentially, he thought that, you know, they would be talking about the business that these meetings were ostensibly about, but doing it in private. Instead, the tapes discovered something much more disturbing. When everyone else had left this meeting in McCurtain County, these county officials started to talk like extreme radical right-wingers. They started to use racial slurs. They started to express homophobic and sexist views. They specifically joked about having one of the journalists working at the newspaper doing this reporting. They, They joked about having that person assassinated. They named this person in this joke. And most disturbingly, one of the county commissioners specifically complained about how they could no longer lynch black prisoners in their county. He wasn't just saying this idly. He was talking at length about, you know, a narrative. He said like, oh, isn't it so terrible that we can no longer go to this county jail and take the prisoners and take them to a specific creek? He named the place where we would lynch them. This was what The investigator found. Now, after this documentation, after these tapes were made public, there was a big outcry. You know, not just in this county, but in the state of Oklahoma, and also in the United States at large. It exposed something that we probably sort of all know to be true: that behind closed doors, these kinds of people—the people who are in charge of a lot of small towns and small regions—and especially red counties in the United States, counties in the United States that are run by Republicans, behind closed doors, this is how they talk about things. They talk about the good old days when they could lynch people. Now, the governor of Oklahoma, who is a Republican, has of course called on all of these officials to resign. And, you know, they might. They might actually face some consequences for what they've said. But the fact is that so, so many of their compatriots, so, so many people who agreed with them, will not be facing any of those consequences. Finally, a remembrance. This week in history, in fact, the day that I'm recording this, April 19th, I record these on Wednesdays. April 19th is the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. This bombing occurred on April 19th of 1995, and was perpetrated by a right-wing terrorist vigilante named Timothy McVeigh, an anti-government conspiracy theorist who decided to bomb the biggest government office building in Oklahoma City in 1995. He did this because he wanted to oppose the power of the federal government and because of his right-wing conspiratorial views. His actions killed 168 people, they injured 680 more, and caused over half a billion dollars in damage, and that's in 1995 dollars. It's well over a billion dollars today. Up until September 11th, this was the biggest and most deadly terrorist attack on the United States soil, and it remains the biggest and most deadly right-wing terrorist attack in the history of the United States. Finally going to close out this week like I do every week with See You in Hell, my segment celebrating the deaths of prominent right-wing figures in history. This week I'm talking about a man named Karl Haas, an SS leader and a Nazi spy Haas was born in the German city of Kiel, K-I-E-L, which is close to Denmark, in 1912. He was a young Nazi, so a true believer. He joined the intelligence branch of the SS, that is the paramilitary branch of the Nazi party, in 1934, so he was only 22 years old. That means he was a very early recruit and an up-and-coming young officer known for his initiative and his extreme violence. During the war, he was sent to Rome after the fall of Italy to the Allies in the mid 1940s. He was sent there to organize saboteurs and radio operators to operate outside of and behind Allied lines. There, he aided in the capture and deportation of over a thousand Italian Jewish people and their deportation to Auschwitz, where they would be either worked to death or gassed and murdered. He was also instrumental in the death of the daughter of the King of Italy. He had her sent to Munich where she was mortally wounded in an Allied bombing raid. Haas also participated in a massacre of Italian freedom fighters that is called the Adriatane Massacre. This is possibly the most deadly day for the Italian resistance to the Nazis and to Italian fascism since the early days of the fight against Mussolini's Italian fascist forces. After the loss of the Soviets, Karl Haas was imprisoned by the Allies, But he did not actually see any justice for his crimes. And again, remember, he was instrumental in killing lots of people, including thousands of Jewish people and Italian freedom fighters. Instead, he was recruited by U.S. Army intelligence to spy on the Soviets, which he did apparently until 1953. Uh, He was released by the United States in 53 because they were worried that he was a double agent himself actually working with the Soviets, although apparently that secret has been lost to time. His fellow participants in the Andreatam massacre were put on trial in Italy in the late 20th century, but he himself escaped participating in that trial. He was supposed to testify against one of his compatriots, but instead he fled and, you know, he sort of like jumped out of a hotel window instead of testifying against his compatriot. He was eventually finally tried in Italy in 1998 for his crimes, but by then he was very elderly, and instead of being put in jail, he was put under house arrest in the Alps, where he died peacefully the 21st of April, 2004. So, Carl Haas, we will see you in hell. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on, and tell your friends, family, and comrades about the podcast. That's how people learn about it. If you really like the podcast, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out and all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H-I-S-T- of the Right and Fascism 15. All right, thanks very much, and I will talk to you next week.